the whole crew is here, plus two more. We'll recap the Owl season, discuss the important postseason press conference by the head coach, Brian Bohannon, and we are going to crown a champion in our scoreboard round. All coming up on this jam-packed episode of ITN. Welcome into Inside the Nest. Let me run through everybody that we have here for the first time since, I don't know if we've had this all season, since I came back from paternity leave and then Jordan started to get deep in his double agent life with the A-Sun. But we've got Barkley Miller, Caleb O'Neill, Brandon Sutton, Bryce Gobert, Jordan Griffith, and we bring on the two Michaels from our communications department, Michael Goss and Michael Pitts. Here on ITN, guys, first time we've been together since that EKU game. And first off, congratulations on everyone surviving the hike up Mount Everest slash the press box of Roy Kidd Stadium, making it back alive, surviving the cold. Brandon, did you have the cold or the flu afterward? Did you get frostbite on your, your fingers and toes? They're all still here, baby. You can't beat me with the cold, people. <laughs> He's just built different. Mm-hmm. The cold don't bother him. I know we were all up top shivering up there while he was on the sidelines standing by the heaters and stuff. Look, we, we've called some cold games since I've been a part of this, but no one might have called a colder one, but I've never called a colder game in my life than that one. And I think it was just because the wind was smacking us right in the face the whole time we were way up. It, it was, that was pretty rough. I think that one takes the cake for me. I can't think of any colder ones off the top of my head, but that wind blowing is not fun. But I, I figured out what the trick was. Like, we had to sit in the press box. If we stood up to where the window was open there, right in your face. Yeah, you, you figured that out pretty quick. I, I'm I'm pretty known for <laughs> – I stand up almost the whole game, right, when I'm calling, and I don't sit much, um, mostly halftimes and stuff. I think I stood up for, like, a minute of the first quarter, and I sat my butt down for the rest of the game. No one's probably like, what's wrong with him? He, he really doesn't <laughs> like the cold. Then you stood up and you're like, oh my gosh, it's way colder up there. That's how temperatures work, I guess. When you get higher, it, it gets colder, you know. Science, right? Bryce is learning about that. Bryce skipped a final today to be on Inside the Nest is what he told us. That is very not true. I'd like to just point that out. I am here. I, I, I came to Kennesaw State to play broadcasting, not to play school. You had said earlier in the week, you, you, you had told us, like, I don't know if I'm going to be on Inside the Nest because I may have an in-person final. And then here you are with, like, no lead up to this. You just showed up. The final the final's on Friday. So I am all good. So you didn't know what day your final was? Correct. <laughs> nice. Bryce, are you, are you getting any uh, NIL money? Or are you looking to transfer anytime soon? Nah, the uh, transfer portal's not looking good, so uh, I think I'm just going to write it out here. Pretty happy, so can't lie. Good. We're glad to have everyone here at Inside the Nest, guys. Let's go on ahead and look back at this 2022 season. It did not live up to our expectations, but that doesn't mean that there were a lot of fun moments, highlights, and quality performances by the team and individuals that we want to highlight here. But from an overall look, a 30,000-foot view atop Roy Kidd Stadium Let's look back at this 2022 season. What were your thoughts on the Owls this past fall? Let's just go around the room here. Just pop open for your thoughts on the year. I know we got, again, the two Michaels in here, Michael Pitts and Michael Goss. So you guys can hop on in after our radio crew here. But take it away, gentlemen. 
I'll start off by uh, saying me and me and old Bryce might have had the coldest take of the year ever with the first podcast saying that we were going to win the Natty. Because <laughs> uh, that didn't happen, believe it or not, Alice fans. You know, it, but, it didn't happen, but I still like the pick. I mean, I still liked it. At the hey, time, look, it sounded good. It, it, even after all that, though, I will say uh, we lived up to the hype of being the electric factory. This was definitely not a year that we expected or that I think any Owls fans expected, but it was still electric. We had some great moments, you know. I mean, golly, that win at UT Martin was very electric. It it kind of – it's kind of bittersweet, though, to look at that game and see what could have been. You know what I mean? I think Coach Bohan hit on it a little bit, too, because that's our offense running the way that they're built to run – with the rule change, our defense played their butts off. I mean, it was just a, a combination of everything, and that was a really good football team. I mean, that was – I don't think they finished off the year in the top 25, but in my opinion, with their talent, that was a top 25 football team that stumbled a little bit along the way. I mean, they had some big wins throughout the year. So that that was my favorite moment, but – just to me, I think disappointing is kind of the feeling that's around the Kennesaw State football program right now, unfortunately. But, you know, that happens. We were riding back from the Sanford game, and I don't know if you guys remember I said it. I was like, what if, what if this is the year that we're not, you know, that great? And I'm like, it, it's okay. Reset seasons happen, and a lot of times teams need that to kind of spring themselves forward onto the next thing. And I think it kind of got placed right in front of us perfectly with us moving into Conference USA as well. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there, Barkley. It's it's one of those things that you mentioned disappointing, and I think that's a perfect word for it because at Kennesaw State, you expect success. Um, you look at all the past seasons that the, this team has gone through and winning seasons every single year. So this one being the first non-winning season, um, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a nice reset for this team. I think that having that chance to kind of take a look, take a step back, find out, and this is something that Coach Bo mentioned in his press press conference is that who really wants to be there. Um, and I, I think that this season is going to live up, or I should say this season is allowing not only the team to find out who they are, but it's allowing the coaching staff to find out more about the players, more about who this team is. Cause that was something they struggled with was finding what makes this team click this year. And I think that this season going into next year, I, it's going to be very easy. I think it's going to be a lot easier transition with the changing in the offense to find out who this team really is. And building off what Bryce said right there, I think this year, just like both of you guys have already said, wasn't what we wanted it to be, but we, we were still able to see some things that we can use to build towards the future. And there's a lot still going for this team with um, the move to Conference USA, as Bryce just said. And, and the transitions that we'll be able to see in this offseason that Coach Bowen hit on during his press conference. But I, I think this entire season as a whole just helped uh, helped a lot of these players just realize that, hey, just putting on the black and gold on Saturday afternoon doesn't guarantee you're going to win every ball game, And that just being a front runner on the team, just, hey, when, when stuff's going great and you're up first in line every rep, you're the first person to do this and that, that's great. But when the bullets are flying, you've dropped a game or two and everything's on your back and everything's hitting you in the face right now and all the pressure is building, what, what kind of player are you going to be? And, and those are and the guys that this team needs are the guys that aren't going to shy away from that. They're, they're the guys that are going to look it in the face and say, hey, we all have to come together and fight through this and figure out what to do next. 
And, and I think that these coaches and the staff just during this entire offseason period and through this entire season, really, they, they it was just one adversity after another. And, and we, a lot of our guys just weren't able to find their way through that. So, so going into the offseason, I think it's going to be a, just not really a rebuilding year, but I, I want to say a revamping year to try to get the mindset, the mentalities of these players back on track to eat the gold standard, this Kennesaw State football way. So I'm really excited to see what these guys are going to be able to do and just really excited about what's coming from, coming next. Barclay, back on your part. But like I said on the first one, if you don't play to win a natty, it ain't, it's not even worth going out there and showing up every day to try to do it. So while that's the goal, that's the dream, that's the vision every year, sometimes it doesn't work out. And like Coach Bo said, like we all said in his press conference, this team has frequently ended their season on a loss. You know, there's one team per year that ends on a win, and they have been a playoff championship caliber team throughout pretty much the whole tenure of Kennesaw State football so far. And I think that this year may have been a bit of a, a gut check situation for some of the guys, as we've heard from Coach Bohan and as we've said right here on this podcast, that as a player – Y'all know, we, we've seen it, we've felt it. We know like it's, it's a winning championship atmosphere around that place. And whenever you're in the building, when you're on campus, you wear your football hoodie to, out to eat somewhere, somebody sees that KS logo and says, those boys win football games. And, and I think that this year is kind of a, hey, guess what? It's not a Kennesaw State. It's not the KS that wins football games. It's not what we've done before that wins football games. It's we show up every day, grind it out, so that on Saturdays in the fall, when we hit that field, we're not rolling a gold helmet out there, as Coach Bo says. We're rolling some hard work, determination, blood, sweat, tears, and grind out there, and you're about to face the wrath of Kennesaw State football. And I think that that's kind of showing up now that, as he said, there were some buy-in problems, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, guys getting hurt. And I think that going forward into Conference USA, into our transition year, it's going to be an excellent opportunity for the coaching staff, for the some of the older guys to really step up and say, hey, guess what? Nobody likes that feeling of what what what, what went on and how it went. And then it's going to the, – the saying that's old as time is, Tough times make tough people, you know, and and it's same thing with football players. Tough time make tough fo- tough times makes tough football players, and the with the younger guys that have been through this season and it didn't go as they planned, and it was battling this and battling that, they're going to have the opportunity to see how that that can impact a season and impact a team, and I think it's going to develop some tough, hard nosed guys out there that they can't be shaken. They're not going to be knocked off their rocker because they drop an overtime game or that because of this or that. It's going to be, hey, guess what? It doesn't matter. We're bouncing back. We're getting after it, and we're going to come back stronger than we were before. And I think that that's what this season is going to – how it's going to impact the future is it's going to stir something in some guys all over that program to say, hey, guess what? It didn't go as planned. It It was a tough year. It was a grind, and we're about to come back better than ever. Yeah, I mean, you guys have echoed a lot of the same points I was going to say. But my, my first thing is, again, it was mentioned in the press conference, 
you know, wins are earned. They're not given, especially when you wear the Kennesaw State black and gold. Uh, just because it's been a successful program in the past doesn't mean it's going to continue to be that way if you don't perform to the expectation or the standard that's been set by a couple of people on this call. I mean, that's what it's been since Kennesaw State has started, and we have not seen non-successful football out there. And it's kind of weird that that was kind of the first year where we've kind of had to take a step back and see what everyone else has to deal with year in and year out. This is normal college football for a lot of college programs out there, but not for Kennesaw State. And so, again, it's, it's earned, not given. And, I mean, I think also just generally in life, you learn so much more about yourself and your team through losses than you do wins. I mean, it's really easy to go out there undefeated. You guys are starching dudes every other week. It's really easy to go out there and be in a good mood, be a great teammate, be a great coach. All of that kind of applies to the same thing. But it's harder to do that when you're losing, when things just aren't going your way. You played a tough schedule, the toughest schedule in Kennesaw State history in my mind. It's a lot harder to be all of those things that you want to be. And you learn going into next year, going into the season after that. You say, hey, we don't want to repeat what happened this year. Let's take that into the future. And I think that's what Kennesaw State's going to do. Echoing what Jordan said from from my perspective, you know, you guys have said a lot of things that I wanted to share, but looking back at this season, I think it was very disappointing. I think that no one, um, you know, in that building would would disagree with that. Um, but when I look back at the season, there were a lot of cool moments that, that us as a staff got to experience. Um, I always like to look back and, and try to take, you know, some of the positives from a year. You know, and I, I look specifically at Cincinnati at how incredible of an experience that was. Obviously, it didn't go the way that, that we wanted it to go, but that was the largest crowd that we've ever played in front of. I think it was around 39,000. Um, being a part of that, uh, that was the the highest ranked opponent KSU football has ever played. You know, it was, it was a neat environment um, seeing the packed crowd with the student section. Um, you know, when, when I think back to the season, I try not to just harp on all the bad. I try to think of the good. Uh, that was in there as well. Uh, we got some overtime thrillers. Um, you know, I think we were, what, one and two in those OT games. Um, the crazy thing that I keep thinking about uh, when I look back is we finished five and six, but we very easily could have finished this year eight and three or nine and two. I mean, you look back at Sanford, you're in the game uh, the whole way. And week one, you don't know that Sanford's going to be a, you know, a top five, top six team. So you're right there in that game. You drop the game at Jacksonville State. And then even, you know, the final week at EKU, uh, you know, a couple of things go our way and we're sitting there at eight and three or, or nine and two and the whole season looks completely different. Um, so when I think back to the season, you know, I don't know. Everybody has said it wasn't Kennesaw State football. Um, and I think nobody would disagree with that. But at the same time, you know, a couple breaks and, you know, we could be looking at a completely different um we could be looking at it from a completely different point of view. Um, but moving forward, I think that, you know, as the it's cliche, but tough times don't last, tough people do. Um, and I think uh, my pastor said this a couple of weeks ago, you don't understand how good the top of the mountain feels until you've been down in the valley. And I think that the guys that were on this team this year, you know, they they got that mountaintop last year, winning the the Big South. And then this year, you know, it was a, it was a grind. I think it really, it really showed the players and the coaches, you know, like it's continue continued to be echoed on this call. We can't just roll out there and expect to win. You know, if anything, like we got a target on our back. Um, so I think that, you know, overall disappointing season. Um, 
but I think there was a lot to learn and, and a lot that we can grow from. Yeah, so looking back on the season, kind of echoing what Goss said, I mean, there, there were some really cool moments that we had. And obviously, looking at the individual performances, Marquise and the interception record, Chance Gamble just absolutely dominating at UT Martin. Gabriel Binyard just coming into his own as a punt returner and kick returner. I think there's a lot of cool moments that we can take away from this year and kind of build towards 2023. I think the losing to Sanford to start off the year really kind of set the tone in a bad way because this is a team that was coming off obviously a heartbreaker against ETSU the year before to lose, get just punched in the mouth against Sanford. I think really just kind of had everyone just on edge the whole season and we didn't really play like you guys set up to the Kennesaw state standard, but I think whether it be next year or 2024, the first year in conference USA or 2026 or whenever we'll look back on this year as a very important year for Kennesaw state football as a standard of what we don't want, what cannot happen. Cause like you guys said, this is the first losing season this program has ever had this can be used as a teaching tool for these players, for the coaches, for everyone that comes into this program over the next five years, that this is not what we are about. We are about competing for championships, winning games, winning at home. And I think when we look back on it, this will be probably one of the most important years in program history. Well, let's go off of that, Goss and Pitts. Everyone else, you want to share your, your favorite moments from the year? Let's see if we can narrow it down to our favorite moment. And then uh, Gossip Fitz, if you want to follow back up with something specific that maybe you didn't mention there, but your favorite moment from this past year. My favorite moment from this past year has got to be the Chance Gamble record-setting pick six at UT Martin. Just the feel, you know, of like just finally getting your cleat on their throat and just shoving it down, right, finishing something this team struggled with all game. It felt like, man, they finished. And just the electricity that was going on in the booth and the sidelines and everything was very memorable. It was it was a lot of fun. That's my favorite moment. I'm going to have to go with probably, like Goss mentioned earlier, uh, our trip to Cincinnati. That was my first real trip with the, t- with the team and with you guys. And just being able to see, the, see those – uh, see our guys be able to experience that kind of environment of such a big time FBS uh, stadium and game for the first time was just it was so surreal and then me being able to be down there on the sideline with them seeing how they were able to react to these and respond to the plays and just be able to perform at such a high level that day it was it's probably my all time top 10 moment I've been able to have on the football field Brandon's a glutton for punishment he, he loved getting chirped at from the uh, Cincinnati student section that's what it was they, they thought they could get in my head. They, they don't understand. It's just built different. I will say, though, they did get in my head because I think for the next two weeks, I had the You Gotta Pump It Up song just on repeat. I couldn't shake it out of my head. I don't think anybody uh, could. I, I really don't think anybody could because I, I was the same way. It was, it, it, was, it, was, it was through my head and stuck uh, in my head a whole bunch. But I got to say, I think my favorite moment this season has to be Tennessee Tech overtime win. Um, that was my first opportunity to call play by play. So it was a really cool milestone for myself. But Tennessee Tech, I mean, down 27 to 17 going into or in the fourth quarter, coming back toward 10 points in the fourth and then finally winning it in overtime. It, it, it was games like it's, it was games like that that we got to see this team face adversity and battle back. 
Um, and I think that it showed a lot of promise. I think that one has to take the cake for me. Yeah, I've got I've got a tie. I, I can't I can't break it down to one. I'm sorry. I'm letting everybody down here. But my one A and one B, or really like one A and one double A, is obviously Cincinnati was crazy. I was I actually got to go. I went to that game. I traveled up there and I helped out with the equipment staff a little bit. So I was on the field as well. And just the atmosphere was insane. But the first play of scrimmage when Cincinnati was on offense, Garland Binyard comes off the edge untouched, absolutely smokes the QB, fumbles the ball. Sadly, we didn't fall on it. But just that initial, like, pound your chest, point at the Kennesaw State and say, we're here. That was like the epitome of college football right there. Like you're the underdog. Obviously, no one's expecting you to come in there and get after it. And first play of the game, you just bomb the quarterback and strip sack. Eerie hush from the crowd when that happened too. That was really cool. Yeah, it was it went from pump it up, the student section got their little smackers going crazy, and then all of a sudden it's just like snap of the finger, drop of a hat, boom. Like Kennesaw State's going crazy. The defense is going crazy. It was it was a, from a, just the overall football experience, top notch, top quality, can't beat it. And then second was the double overtime win against North Alabama because that was my first time calling a game, a live game that wasn't the spring game. I was in, we were in the radio, we were going crazy, and. My one of my best friends, Isaac Foster, scored the game-winning touchdown. So happy for him, proud of him. And then to seal it off, Markeith Montgomery gets one of his early interceptions in the season. The, the year he sets the record to finish the game and seal the deal. So that really, that really took the cake for me. That's one A and one double A. Yeah, I, I was about to take that one for Isaac Foster because I can't believe that no one had said it going into OT or get it to go to OT. The most ridiculous one yard catch you'll ever see in the tightest window you'll ever see in that exact same scenario. That was that was definitely my pick. But then I, I guess my backup would have to be, I mean, Binyard going for four punt returns for 117 yards, no touchdowns, but pretty much, I mean, a very tightly contested game. I believe that was just a 10 point win there. Like if they don't have those, I, I don't really know how that game might look. I mean, that was a really important four different types of plays that he was able to make in the most punt return yards in a Kennesaw State game. I mean, that was you want to talk about electric Barkley. That was that was electric right there. Um, so those those on the field, those are the two that stand out to me the most. I'd have to say a close second to me real quick is uh, the 40 yard dash at UT Martin, even though I lost. That was a good time. Losing by well, over yeah. 10 yards in a 40 is a top moment for you? Hey, listen, you know what? It wasn't about the result. It's about the experience. You know what, Bryce? You should have used the same speed you had at Cincinnati when you got out of there from being a spotter, getting out of the booth to go to that FC Cincinnati game. Because you were out of there quicker than I've ever seen a human being move. You were Tyreek Hill. You know, I got to use my speed in certain spots. I can't use it everywhere. All right, I, uh, I wrote down three really quick. Some of them, some of them have been mentioned, but I want to provide um, some some feedback from my point of view. First off, Cincinnati whole trip was great. Uh, the dinner the night before with everyone, cool location, just kind of set the tone. Um, also, want to give a shout out to the Cincy press box, super nice. The the pregame spread, 
A plus. Um, I look at the uh, the foster catch that we've already talked about. Uh, that was incredible to see just from the comeback story part of Isaac Foster. But what you guys don't know is that was the game that we birthed popping our chains in the press box. So we needed a rally. We popped the chains. Um, I looked down at Pitts. Pitts pops a Ozzy Albies replica chain um, that went down to his belly button. Had no clue the guy had been wearing that the whole day. Um, but that was that was one of the reasons we won. I'm telling you, we we popped the chains, and I think that the Al Nation needs to know that. Um, we also did it again later uh, for the other overtime game against who was that against? Um, was it Tennessee, Tennessee Tech? Tech. Yeah, Tennessee Tech. Mm -hmm. um, a moment that hasn't been mentioned, and this was really cool though, when Markeith got that pick against Charleston Southern that that broke the KSU record, um, we were able to get that football. And so before the before the pregame or postgame celebration, uh, Coach and myself and Matt Griffin are walking in, and and Coach is saying that he wants to present Markeith with that game ball. Um, and so he gets in the locker room, he gives his speech, uh, and then he he holds up the ball. And uh, he says, you know, this is the the interception that set the KSU record. Markeith, where you at? And Markeith stands up and Coach Bohannon throws a laser beam in the locker room straight to Markeith, catches it right in front of his face. The whole locker room explodes going crazy. Um, it was it was just a really cool moment to be a part of. And and uh, I'm glad that we were able to get that ball from Markeith. I will have to say, I kind of forgot about the popping of the chains. It's a very underrated moment from this year. Um, I also have an Acuna chain. I might have to bring that up for next year because obviously the Aussie chain didn't uh, didn't give us too much luck this year. But going back to the Cincinnati trip, you know when you walk into a place and they have their logos on napkins that you're in a legit place. That's all I'm going to say. That was your favorite moment was seeing the Cincy logo on napkins pits. What can I say? I'm a napkins guy. Just for the record, since you're listening to this, everyone has their microphones on mute. It's just like <laughs> laughing so hard right here. I didn't know about the popping of the chain. So we have we have turnover blank and we have press box chains is like good luck charms for KSU now. Okay. The thing was, Good. too, is like I, I brought it up thinking that like maybe me and one other person would have had a chain on, but like all of our interns were wearing chains. So we had like eight people just rocking their chains out. And then Pitts comes out with a freaking belly hanger, man. We're going to have to have a sign that says the chain gang up there next year. My uh, favorite moment is one that's been mentioned a couple of times by Caleb and Jordan, but the North Alabama two overtime game. That was incredible. The Foster one yard touchdown pass, the drive to even get it to overtime right then and there and then when to get in double overtime too it, didn't, it wasn't just one overtime it was two overtimes so uh that was probably my favorite game of the year for kennesaw state and then uh as a group this is not my favorite moment but our ability to overcome adversity on travels this year i think uh should not be overlooked just a little brief recap on this sanford was actually a really clean trip uh we had some cold takes on the way over had a cold press box jacksonville or no cincinnati uh, had some trouble trying to find dinner that night before. Had some issues with that, but we overcame that. And like Michael said, had had a good dinner. Jacksonville State, uh, somewhat car, took a really wrong way back over there. And Barkley and I said, don't go that way back. And what do we do? We go right on that way back, uh, driving through the mountains in the middle of nowhere, not knowing if we were ever going to make it home. And then we're home for a month. And Martin, Tennessee, 
Uh, waking up game day, 5 a.m., hopping on the bus, and the sides of the bus are open in the pouring rain. And thankfully, our equipment uh, made it back okay and, and didn't fall over on the side of the road at 5 a.m. in pitch black dark and pouring rain. So overcame that. And then EKU, trying to find somewhere to eat, walking out of a Texas roadhouse in Knoxville, Tennessee, where all of Knoxville seemed to eat that night, and then having an interesting experience at a mall food court in Knoxville. So uh, bus four, great job this year. Appreciate you guys overcoming that adversity on our travels. With Fifth Third Momentum Banking, we're making banking a Fifth Third better. Cappuccino for Dave. Yep. Oh, I overdrafted? Now this coffee is $43. That's steep, even for us. With Fifth Third Momentum Banking, we've got your back, which is why we give you extra time to avoid an overdraft. That's way better. This is banking, a Fifth Third better. Fifth Third Extra Time gives you longer. Anytime before midnight ET on the business day after your account is overdrawn to make a deposit that brings your available balance to at least $0. Visit 53.com for additional details. Fifth Third Bank NA, member FDIC. So uh, one more thing that I want to talk about here, looking at this season, before we go into Coach Bohannon's press conference, is let's hand out your pick for offensive MVP and defensive MVP. Real quick, Nolan, another uh, adversity that we had to overcome was Jacksonville State, the infamous laptop restart. Forgot about that one. Yeah, Man, one. Jordan Griffith lost his mind. Man, <laughs> what I was saying on the field my favorite moment was the isaac foster catch off the field that was my number one moment of the year was the backup computer finally came into play i'm like nolan i'm like we got five minutes on this thing it's telling me it's gonna restart and hey that's why you bring the backup all right if we're gonna go with the mvps from each side of the ball i'm gonna go ahead and get out here so i can say i set him first because i know he's gonna get taken by a lot of people offensive mvp gotta go with twin um you know just as you guys said the comeback was awesome watching him kind of get in a groove he looked healthy at the end of the year for the first time in a long time i think that was huge um he got the ball in open space made some things happen that <laughs> like jordan said that one yard catch was uh that was a work of art hanging in the louvre it was awesome um, so got to go with twin offensive MVP, defensive MVP, got to go with the war daddy himself, the guy, Travis Bell, everybody that we had on the podcast, if we asked them who they were going to go into battle with, they all said Travis Bell, um, you know, a guy that I, I had, I was fortunate enough to play with and just an absolute monster up front. He will be missed. And, uh, yeah, got to go with Travis Bell as the defensive MVP. This is a tough one for me offensively because Isaac Foster is obviously a great choice, but I'm going to go with a less popular opinion. And I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to take both quarterbacks from Xavier Shepard and Jonathan Murphy, um, just because they were both had to be interchangeable. Uh, both had to have a chance. Um, both had to be ready. I guess I should say to have their number called whenever Murph went down or Shep went down. Um, you know, it, it may not have been the year that Shep had last season, um, but I still think that whenever their number was called, they did their job and it, it, it's a hard job to have. And I think they did it well. Well, first things first, Bryce, we picked two people just going to go ahead and just lay that out there. Good job. Uh, but for me, I'm going to take the, uh, 
the outside the box approach. I'm going with an offensive lineman. No big surprise there. And I'm going to say uh, Terrell Paxson from an offensive MVP because T-Pax had such a great year. We ran the ball a lot behind him this year, and, and he would have to move move around a lot, whether it's left side or right side. He was one of those guys who was just impact, put his head down, go to work, move the guy in front of you kind of dude. And, and for defense, no surprise here. I'm, I'm going Marquise Montgomery. That that kid, he could just straight out fall. Every week, we, he was you would look around for a big play or something, and he would be there to provide – he would just do so much for this defense. He would send signals. He was QBing it out there, and he was just such a high, high performance player all the time out there. I just realized I didn't give mine, but I also have to go with Marquis. Same reasons. And now you're copying answers. Great, Bryce. Great. He's fumbling it, guys. Hey, hey I gotta live up to work. the nickname. I gotta live up to the nickname. Yeah, I'm. I'm following the crowd here. I'm taking Isaac Foster on offense. He, the comeback was obviously everything that we thought it would be and everything I'm sure everything he thought it would be, the coaching staff thought it would be. Um, his consistency, his leadership, his poise out there on the field when it seems like it's like the uh, SpongeBob meme where he's sitting there and everything's on fire around him. You know, it's like Isaac Foster under under adverse circumstances was just, Steady Eddie, calm and collected, head down, going to work every day. And that's what you, all you can ask for in a in a veteran guy like him. I was so I was really close to to tracking with uh Terrell or with Matty Ice up there up front because they really anchored down a very unknown and um kind of back and forth situation on the on the front front offensive line. But Isaac's taking the cake, but they're uh they're getting a finger of the icing on the way by. Um, and then on defense, I'm going with Travis Bell. Work, his work speaks for himself. He he was a baller, and whenever he was in there, everyone knew. Our defense, their offense, he was he was hanging out in other people's backfield, or he's hanging out on somebody, tackling, taking them to the ground. So uh, props to both of those guys, and um, it's a team game. So while, while it may have looked great for Isaac Foster to have – touchdowns he someone had to throw him the ball someone had to block for him and while while Travis Bell did a great job as well it it takes three four or five other guys on the front seven out there taking their gap taking doing their job to turn the ball back to him so team win but but those guys both obviously really stood out the most to me yeah I mean if we're given the answers for me it's going to be Isaac and Markeith as well but to highlight some other guys I mean Jonathan Murphy again this year was different compared to last year where he had he was the starter and then the 1A was Xavier Shepard. A-Sun Offensive Player of the Year Shepard is coming into the year. The guy after what he did last year. And he came in after a couple of games and performed well. Of course, he got bit by the injury bug again. But when he was in there, he made a difference, especially against EKU. You saw finally the long-running plays happen for him. And then on defense, again, my answer is going to be Markeith, but to highlight a guy that is so different game one versus the EKU game is Chance Gamble. I mean, I don't think I've seen a defensive back improve as much as he did at Kennesaw State than when he did at the beginning of the year versus at the end of the year. I mean, that's a guy that is a completely different player right now. And I mean, DeAndre Morris, Marquise Market. I mean, there's so many guys back there now in the secondary. But Gamble was, I, I think, wins the award for most improved through the year.
yeah, going next to last. I mean, you guys have, have said a lot of what I'm I'm thinking, but to highlight someone different, obviously, offensively, Isaac Foster had the best year, in my opinion. Um, but I think I need to give Preston Daniels some love. Uh, second leading rusher on the team, um, average five yards a carry. Uh, I think back to Cincinnati, uh, he scored the touchdown that gave us our, our double-digit points to keep one of our game notes alive. So I know me and Pitts were pretty hyped about that, that we got to keep a cool uh, cool game note um, alive. But I thought, I know, and like I said, I know Preston missed some games, but I just, I feel like when he was in there, he really opened up uh, the slots because you, you know, you had to worry about him just trucking up the middle. Um, and he caught his first receiving touchdown this year. So that was pretty cool. Uh, defensively, Travis and Mark Keith were the best two players in my opinion, but I do want to give a shout out to Desmond Scott. I feel like when he returned, that defensive line was just different. Um, and I feel like the defensive line was probably our strength uh, this season. Um, but when he returned, I feel like the, the, the line was just different and, and the run game was really shut down. So I want to give Des a shout out uh, because I feel like he did have an impact. And that's not even to mention the adversity, you know, you had to go through to return, man. I mean, I think that's a really good pick Goss. So obviously for defense, I'm going to go with Mark Heath. I think the fact that coach Bo called a timeout to literally get him back in the game speaks for itself. Uh, offensively, like you guys said, Isaac Foster, I think he's just so dangerous in open space and his ability to make plays is just unmatched. And we saw him get back to the Isaac Foster that we're used to. I do want to make one honorable mention for offensive MVP for Carlos Allen and his 31 yard fourth death fourth down rush against Central Arkansas. Fair enough, Michael. Fair enough. I, I like the talk starting with the defensive side uh, of mentioning Desmond, mentioning Chance Gamble. Can't forget about DeAndre Morris, too. I mean, he tied Marquise for five interceptions this year. It's just a sophomore, and I think it's been a while since we've seen a sophomore on the back end of the KSU secondary have quite the impact, and so that was good to see. Marquise is the MVP for me. It's an easy choice on the offensive end. I think it's good to mention Murphy, Daniels, and then T-Pax, uh, who played through a really difficult injury this year. I mean, a, a very difficult injury. He he showed a lot of strength, a lot more than people realize. But it's got to be twin Isaac Foster. Here's another thing, too, about Foster improving this year. The man was a magnet for the biggest hits of any football game for those first three or four games. He had annihilated the first quarter of the season and got back up every single time. And then by the end of the season, when he found his footing and he got back to that 2018 and 19 form before he had the injury at Presby, nobody could touch him. You couldn't get Isaac Foster down. So rolling off of that, going into Coach Bohannon's press conference from last week, he mentioned returners coming back for their COVID year. Markeith Montgomery, Isaac Foster, and Jonathan Murphy. Those are three huge additions. He said there may be a couple others in the works. But I, quickly, I want to get y'all's thoughts on what the impact is of Montgomery, Foster, and Murphy coming back for 2023. Man, so it, to me, the one that jumps off the screen on that one is Markeith Montgomery, right? After the year he's had, he might solidify records that will never be touched here at KSU if he replicates even close to a season like he had this past year. I also think it's great for him, too, because – this, in my opinion, wasn't a good enough season to send off a guy like Marquise Montgomery and the kind of player that he's been in the year that he had last year. So that one's really exciting. Murphy coming back is going to be exciting, especially seeing him in an offense that 
you could argue he might be a little bit more comfortable in, you know, with us us changing. I know we're going to hit on that later, but that that's going to be cool to see. Um, and, you know, Twin, as we said, offensive MVP this past year, his leadership is going to go a long ways. Um, I, I could see them working with him in some different positions besides just that slot. And uh, maybe, you know, some true running back positions, maybe get him the ball more through the air. Uh, I think there's, he's very dangerous. There's a lot of things you can do. So, um, yeah, I, I think that I think those are the exciting things to me about them. And whenever he noted there's some other guys in the works, I'm curious to see who that is. I mean, you never know. Nowadays, <laughs> it seems like some guys play forever. I think they said uh, – JT Daniels might play for seven years after entering the transfer portal this year. So, I mean, you know, the realm of possibility is endless. We got Stetson Bennett, 28,000 years old, up for the Heisman. So, it, it's wild. So, I'm curious to see what other names pop out of this. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there, Barkley. I think Jonathan Murphy returning, kind of Nolan, I think, briefly mentioned or you mentioned it, is he, he might be a little bit more comfortable. Uh, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because – we saw him have that ability to air out that ball when needed. Um, whenever the running game wasn't working in a lot of games this season, Kennesaw State seemed to have a lot of success going through the air. Um, and even Isaac Foster had a lot of catches. Not, I shouldn't say a lot of catches, but had some big catches um, that allowed this team to be successful. Um, and then obviously having Marquise return, that's, that's just, I mean, Pitts mentioned it with, your coach calls a timeout just for you to be able to get back into the game. That shows how big of a player and how much of an impact that he actually has on this team and he can have on the game. Well, well, guys, we were just talking MVPs for this team, offensive and defensively, and all three of those names came up from one of us. So just that should just show how big of an impact these guys have on the team. But as Bryce was really just saying, the leadership, having a guy that's literally been here for so long, has, has seen the ups and the downs of this team, what, what he can do for the, not just the guys that are still here, but for the guys that are coming in, the things that can show them, what the, the ideas and the, the um, just the schemes and stuff they'll be able to help help them learn and implement over this time span in this transition. It, it's going to be night and day, and, and these guys are going to want to, as Barkley said, these guys want to go out the right way because five and six years is not the way they want to end things here. So uh, it's going to be really cool to see with these three guys and – like Coach Bo said, hopefully maybe a few more guys decide to hop back on the boat. Just going to second everything. Agreed. And and it, it, these these guys have been anchors. They've been solid concrete foundation guys for their entire career here. You know, Isaac Foster goes from being a freshman All-American kick returner to getting banged up, struggling back. And then he and the, all the while he's been the 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 guy the leader for that three and four backs room since he wasn't even playing and there's still guys coming to him with their playbooks and with their notebooks and with film saying hey I need you to help me and he's been that guy the whole time and what what better opportunity than now to have a guy that that has been that guy anchor your or be the foundation of your springboard into the FBS same thing with Markeith Montgomery. Every defensive player we talked to either brought up Travis Bell or Markeith Montgomery being the most influential people people on the team as a leader and as a, an older football player. Well, once again, he's been that way since the time he's been here. He set, he set a record, like Barclay said, that 
if he keeps on running with it, there's a chance it's it stands forever, you know. And and then obviously with Murph, we call him Murph Magic for a reason. And he he's it's it's literally it's what you as a football coach, I feel like it's what you would you would want, you know. If if those guys have that extra year and they want to be they want to be here, then you definitely want them there. Because if, if that's the the foundation you want to set for FBS, then hey, what what better than three guys that are that literally are here for KSU football. They're not here for this. They're not here for that. They have their degrees. They're that they, you know they're they're here. They want to play football and they want to win. And I think it's a great foundation and opportunity leading forwards. I just want to know, Jordan, what more Marquise Montgomery would have to do to earn All Conference A Sun for next year. You know, uh, it would have to change how how everyone votes and uh, how how that is in terms of the coaches, because I think that's also a misconception that the conference has something to do with it when that is uh, not how it goes. But yeah, plenty plenty of people reaching out about the all conference teams. I, I got another question too, Jordan, or maybe Goss can answer this. What, what do we got to do to get uh, Travis Bell like a twelfth year? We got to. Uh... We got to just, you know, scrub up some documents, you know, get get them back in. You need to email the compliance department for that one. <laughs> compliance and academics for that one. I'll donate well, my extra year that I got. I still got hanging around. <laughs> That's exactly how it works. Barkley, I think you got one you can donate to. Yeah, yeah, me and Caleb will donate our extra years and uh, Travis can play for two more years. I got four <laughs> since I haven't played yet. That's it. We'll change his name to Bryce. Bryce Bell, <laughs> new, new addition to the roster. Well, last topic I want to hit on here, guys, to put a, a wrap on the season now, look ahead to the offseason in 2023, is uh, Coach talked at length in his press conference about changes to the offense and the transition to Conference USA. He spoke about the offense moving from under center to out of the shotgun, retaining principles of the option, having an emphasis of RPO, run-pass option mix in there, not going away from Kennesaw State's desire to be a running team and run the football, but he, he wants to evolve this offense and it coincides with the transition into conference USA in July 1, 2024. So 2023 is the ramp up for that. But I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on the offensive changes and what coach talked about transition to conference USA as our last thoughts here on uh, the 2022 season. So me personally, I, I know we got two guys in this that probably aren't all that stoked about it. I'm super excited. Uh, about it you know there's nothing I have nothing against the traditional option attack that we had going on but just the the pool that it opens and then the rule changes that the NCAA has made I think Nolan hit on a little bit ever since uh what's his name from Georgia Tech has retired there's been several rule changes to the option yes since Paul Johnson retired there's been three or four that have directly affected option oriented offenses it's crazy yeah yeah, I mean, and, and you know, and that, that's kind of it, right? Like, it, it's not necessarily it, – it almost feels like they're trying to do away with it, which, hey, you know, uh, it's part of it. So we, we need to evolve. So I'm pretty excited about, you know, just the evolution of it. it it's adapting. I, I think that any fans who didn't listen to that that whole presser need to go and listen. I think Coach Bohan hit a lot of things. And if they're not happy with his answers, then those are the fans that just aren't going to be happy, period. And that's okay, too. You're going to have those people. But um, I, I am. I'm, I'm excited. Like like I said, Jonathan Murphy, I think he might be a little bit more comfortable in this offense. This is more of a type of offense that he ran in high school. And then the type of guys you get to recruit, right? 
you get to recruit different guys because of this offense. We've seen it be very successful. Uh, USC runs very similar to what Coach Bohannon was talking about. Coastal Carolina gets brought up a ton with their success. It's going to be electric. It's going to be something new. And I'm glad that we didn't make the decision to go just completely air raid spread, right? We've seen option teams try to do that, and it has yet to be successful. I mean, you got, you know, Southern who kind of adapted all the way to it, and they still barely went bowling this year because it's just such a drastic change, right? And I also think that that doesn't really embody the eat mentality that we have here at Kennesaw State. And I think this offense has the has the opportunity to still do so, as you said, running the ball down people's throats. It, it's going to be fun to watch, but, you know, it is going to be a transition period. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one, Barkley. And you mentioned that recruitment of a whole bunch of different kinds of guys. That's something that Coach Bo hit on is that he wants to try and grow the offensive line in length. And he specifically mentioned how big that his tackle, he felt that getting bigger tackles was going to be on that offensive line and recruiting tight end type, uh, tight end body types, I think was the words that he used. Um, it, it, it gives a lot more options um, that I think as a fan, it's going to be a lot more fun to watch as well as call a game. Um I think you're going to see a lot of Jonathan Murphy and what he's truly made of. I mean, you mentioned it kind of ran it a little bit in high school out of the gun. It's what he's comfortable with. I think that this year is going to be a really big year for Jonathan Murphy to try and see how he can go in and take this new found offense and kind of make it his own while also keeping that eat mentality that coach Bo always harps on. Give you a little Lee Corso, not so fast. Because there's a few things you guys are going to have to remember about Coach Chestnut and this triple option offense that we had. For every single play we run under center, every single one, we can take it and just adjust a few things. And with the adjustment of the rules, with the changing of things, there's still a lot of stuff we can do. But in in this new scheme, uh, the biggest thing that Coach Bo said that I think is going to ring for the rest of these guys is a true running back. He did. He said not a two-back, but the true running back. I think that is going to just give Kennesaw State that next nudge that they'll need because having a guy that can just take the ball every play and go 80 and go hit his head on the goalpost, it, it, it's just, one, you're already worried about what's the quarterback going to do with the ball? Where is it going? But now you have to worry about, hey, if he just gives it and we're spread out all over, hey, we have a running back in the backfield that can go and do whatever he wants to. But also, guys, this is just this is an offense that's built off discipline. And and as Bryce was just talking about, when we're able, once we're able to get these longer guys on, on the uh, lines of scrimmage, it, it's just going to continue to just increase what we're going to be able to see offensively and what's Coach Chestnut and Coach Bowen are going to want to do with these guys. And, and we've seen it from a defensive standpoint. Tight ends have been a big impact on us defensively. So what's, hap- what's going to happen now that we get one and we can throw one and throw those short slant route, get them <laughs> and see those chatting right now. You know, we get a tight end on a quick out to the, uh, to the five yard line or something like that. Maybe some short tight end slant plays, but guys, there, there's so many new things that we're going to be able to do uh, going forward. And it's going to open up just this offense going to be able to look night and day from what we've been able to see. Well, I'll take the lead Corso route here too. Where's my, where's my, uh, shotgun spread RPO 
triple spread option hybrid hat to put on because I'm putting that bad boy on. And just like the guys in the NFL, it's a big one too. Like with one of them big dome hats, baby. I'm excited about it. I've got a couple of reasons because, or really a few reasons because of it. And I'm going to go fast because I know I'm, I can get long-winded sometimes. Thing number one, coming from someone with who ran more of a spread zone, spread read background growing up all through high school. And then I got here, all of a sudden I'm a triple option, spread option quarterback. It's like, whoa, this is different. I understand the reads, but it's a lot harder. Getting back in the gun opens up. It's like a it's like a kid that goes to a brand new playground that they've never seen before in Coach Chestnut's vision. He's got he knows he's got his background. He knows what he's doing. That Coach Bo knows what they're doing. They've been they've been football coaches for a long time now, but it opens up so many opportunities. And just like uh, in Step Brothers, there's so much more room for activities. There's so much more room for activities now. When you're in when you're in midfield, it's second and short. You, you, you don't you don't have to rely on a two back carrying three defenders for four yards to pick up a first down. Now you you get in the with a tight end in there, and they they utilize me when I played a little bit of tight end too. So I really I really like that dynamic because it changes the front, it changes the secondary, it changes coverages just by the by one person coming in there putting his hand in the dirt. The whole dynamic of that offense changes and then you back it up in the gun you have a, a another dynamic explosive guy in the backfield that's that like like coach Bo said take it 80 knock his head on the go post get in the box baby you know it really just is like for me when I heard him talking about it I got excited because I was like man this it really does open up so many opportunities and when you get back in the gun you got so much more room to work like coach Bo said you got different gaps you can run you got different schemes you can run and you don't have to rely so heavily on on technique blocking or zone blocking you can really kind of broaden your 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 blocking roles and as long as your guys know their roles they can cover their they can block their guy they can do their job and then if they happen to miss or they happen to not hold their block long enough you have enough time for your guy to make a move and get and still pick up yardage and make something out of nothing because that's the guys you're going to be bringing in guys that can make something out of nothing. So it really, in my mind, it, it look, it's beautiful. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity. And then the, the, the smash mouth football down your throat, we're coming for you. It's still intact. It's not like, like someone earlier said, it's not abandoning it to going straight to the air raid and, we're going to go finesse everybody into a coverage breakdown. It's, hey, guess what? We normally have three options with our plays, but now we're going to factor in the RPO and we're really going to have six. So we're, we're running the dang, I don't even know the word, the six-tuplet spread option, baby. We're coming at you. You know, we're throwing the receiver. You're going to call the stepbrothers offense. Bring it on, baby. You know, it's we got everything coming at you. So it, I think it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for play calling and scheme of the defenses. Now, granted, it's going to take a little bit of a break-in period, I believe. They're going to get after it in the offseason, but it's still going to be it's still going to be different for Coach Chestnut calling plays in the box, for Coach Bo making decisions. But like he said, we're still going to go short yardage. We're still going to go for it on fourth down, and they're still going to have that effort, attitude, and toughness ingrained on their front of their helmet. And it's going to be coming at you full force in black and gold, baby. So it's got me excited. Sea dog, you trying to uh, burn that last year eligibility? Go play tight end for the Owls? Shoot, I might have to. I might have to make a phone call. You know. What up now? Feel like you tight end action. It's me. I'll make mine quick. You guys made a lot of good points. Um, 
some things I'm excited about the creativity that's going to open up from the coaches' minds. Because now, like, again, there's so much so much room for activities. Now they can throw some extra wrinkles into there that I know I'm sure they've wanted to do in the past, but it hasn't really fit the scheme. You know, they're great coaches. So they have plenty of plays that they're going to be throwing out. And this is also going to be the first offseason where the teams at the beginning of the year aren't going to have an entire offseason to prepare for a spread option. They're going to have to prepare for something that they have no clue what's going to look like coming into the issue. That's the first time we've ever seen that at Kennesaw State. And then, I mean, the last thing that I'm, I'm excited to see, he said, we got to get bigger at offensive line. I mean, let's go get some big nasties, guys. Yeah, I'll be really quick, uh, just echoing off JG right there. I don't think anyone knows really what this offense is going to look like yet, but I have all the faith in Coach Bohannon and Coach Chestnut. Um, they've proven that they are point scorers. Uh, looking at our our stats, like we've scored double digits in 70 consecutive games. I mean, and we've played, you know, Cincinnati, Georgia Tech, we've played really good opponents and we're still scoring points. So I feel like this this new creativity is is definitely exciting from my standpoint. I don't know all the ins and outs of, of the offense, but just looking at it from a very broad view, yeah, I think this is going to be a really fun team to watch. There's going to be a transition, and I think fans need to understand that. But I think that in time, you know, this is going to this offense is 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 going to be dynamic. Yeah, I agree with that. I think KSU football, the way the offense is ran now, is already special to begin with. But I think what this offense will allow us to do will be something very special. Just adding on, giving that little extra flair that you know some people might say that we've been missing. I disagree, but. I, I think also what Brandon said, having a true running back as well, just having a guy that can just go straight up the middle and just really just punch you in the mouth. Oh man, it's going to be fun to watch. Wellstar Health System helps Kennesaw State Owls stay in the game, no matter what your health goals or concerns are. Find our convenient health centers on campus. Our providers will get to know your needs and help you stay feeling your best. When you go off campus, Wellstar is there for you too. With hospitals, urgent care centers, and medical offices nearby to keep you well. Visit wellstar.org to learn more. Great points, guys. As we come to a close on this episode of Inside the Nest, let's take a look at our Inside the Nest uh, Factor Fiction leaderboard, and then I've got six questions for you. We're going to do it differently, okay? You have 15 seconds to answer. If you think it's true, you raise your hand. If you think it's false, you don't raise your hand. And I'll add up the points. Our leaderboard right now, in first place, Brandon Sutton with seven points. In second place, Caleb O'Neill with six. A tie for third place. Barkley Miller with five, and me with five. After that, Jordan has two points from the first two weeks he was on here. And then with one point, Bryce Gobert. The players tied for second with Caleb with six correct this year. I do want to make a little caveat that's self-serving is I was perfect. And then I had to take over asking questions for Bryce. So I just want people to think this entire offseason what could have been had Nolan continued to be able to answer factor fiction. That's all I'm going to say.
but that's your scoreboard. That's your leaderboard. Brandon Sutton, you are the clubhouse leader. The pressure's on, man. You have six questions here to try to defend your lead and emerge with the trophy this year. I, I feel no pressure, Nolan. Where's the first hole? What's the course record? Oh, I'm saying. Now, he, he's the clubhouse leader right now, but I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of the pound-for-pound champ. One last year, I was two-for-two two before I had to take my quick exit. So, I mean, I plan on doing some damage right now. Here we go. The first one, all right, I, I will say this. Michael Pitts, this comes from looking at the record book and the records this year. You and Michael Goss worked on this stuff, so I expect you all to have some good answers. So for can you all just wait till the end, till everyone else raises their hand or not for you all? Because I don't want anybody just looking and cheating since we know Bryce already has copied answers today. First question, guys, and I will start the timer right after I'm done. True or false? After this season, Isaac Foster holds the career record for yards per play at 11.8. All right, time's up. Caleb O'Neill thinks it's true. Jordan Griffith thinks it's true. Does anyone else think it's true? Seeing none. Caleb and Jordan, you get the points. You are correct. You can gloat on it while I add it here to the leaderboard. How is it since not I gotta Chandler update this. Chandler, Chandler said, had like 72 one-yard touchdowns. I'm That's, not going to lie. I thought that Gabe Benyard had a chance. Yeah, dude, he was the vulture. Well, that's the thing is Chandler had all those one-yard touchdowns, so that brings down his yards per play average. That's true, C-Dog. I didn't think about that. Now, granted, Chandler Burke's getting after it mm -hmm. now, but Isaac mm -hmm. Foster seems to be the big play guy. He's just a steady yep. 11 yards of play. Yep. Okay, your next true or false. Now that Caleb O'Neill has tied Brandon Sutton, question is, timer starts when I'm done. True or false, the longest individual rush this season was in the Tennessee Tech game. And time is up. So, Brandon Sutton, Caleb O'Neill, and Bryce Gobert think that it's true. Jordan, do you think it's true or false? I can't see with my screen here. False. I believe that was against false. Jack State. Yes. Jordan, yes. you are correct. It was against Jack State. Pound Let's for pound here. camp, boys. I'm back, baby. Okay? <laughs> How many Still yards was it, JG? Mur Murph Magic, what was it, like 80... 80-something yards. I think if he didn't have heavy legs, then he takes it for six. Maybe 70-something yards. It was 57, I think. <laughs> or 56. It felt like so much 57 longer 57 yards. 57, it's the longest 57-yard yeah. rush I've ever seen in my life. The one I was thinking of was Shep, whenever everyone thought he got tackled, but he just got up and kept running. That was the one I was thinking of. That's where I was trying to trick you guys. Mm-hmm. All right, Jordan with four. Sutton with seven. Caleb with seven. Barkley with six. Number three, true or false. Let me get the timer ready here. This is uh, quite the thing to add in. True or false. KSU had two players tie for the most receiving yards in one game. 
And time is up. Jordan thinks that's true. Does anyone else think it's true? And seeing none, Jordan Griffith, you are on a roll. Five points, my friend. Isaac Foster and Xavier Hill had 76 yards apiece. Foster against UNA, Hill against Tennessee Tech. Fellas, this is what you call a good old-fashioned heater, okay? Three for three? <sighs> Got to take Goss to the casino after this. Jordan, we have three questions left. You are two behind Brandon Sutton. It might be comeback time here. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Still right. money on the board, baby. Next question, true or false? Connor Cummins set a Kennesaw State single game high with four field goals made in one game. And time is up. Does anyone think this is true? Bryce does. Barkley does. Jordan does. Caleb, Michael, Brandon, Goss, y'all are correct. Connor's high was three games for the A-Sun Specialist of the Year. That was against Charleston Southern. The record is four set by Justin Thompson twice against Shorter and Gardner-Webb. The set really got me. It took me when you said set. I was like, there's no way. JT was out there booting them bad boys for a minute. Same. I was like, there's no way he got JT. It, Nolan got me because I knew that he won the, the A-Sun Special Teams Player of the Week. I was like, I mean, four field goals, I'll probably win it for you. We got two more. Okay, so the, your new scoreboard, Brandon Sutton with eight, Jordan with five, Bryce with three now. Barkley with seven, Caleb with seven. Okay, Pitts and Goss up too. I don't. I don't think they're going to win this one, unfortunately. Question number. <laughs> not not with this math. Question number five. True or false? Kennesaw State did not have a player reach double digit tackles in a game this year. Well, we know the guy from UT Martin had like 27 in one game, so. It was 26. Oh, my bad. Yeah, that was the most bogus stat line ever. We watched that game. He did not have 26 tackles. All right, time is up. Who thinks it is true? No one? Barkley, you think it's true? Well, everyone but Barkley gets a point because that is false. Garland Benyard had 10 against Central Arkansas. Evan Thompson had 10 every game last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had like 20,000 one game. And the last question with Brandon Sutton with nine points, Jordan Griffith with six, Bryce Gobert with four, Barkley with seven, Caleb with eight, Pitts and Goss with three. This is different. This is a first come, first serve. First come, first serve. So the Michaels, I'm going to ask y'all to hold off on this. Y'all, y'all, I might just gift y'all points. I think you'd get it. But I just want to see since if if Caleb's going to jump the gun here and try to get this, and, and you got to get it. Like you can't think about this. I'm going to set a five second timer if you jump in, or if Brandon's going to get in and nab it, or if we're going to have somebody that's just going to play spoiler here. Okay, let's do it. 
first come, first serve. KSU's single game rushing high of four touchdowns came in which two games? North Alabama Wofford. Incorrect. All right, I'm out. Charleston Southern and UT Martin. Incorrect. Eastern Kentucky and UT Martin. Incorrect. North Alabama, North Alabama, UT Martin. Incorrect. Caleb, this is your shot right here. And I am going to choose UT Martin. And Charleston Southern. Incorrect. All right, Michaels. Michaels, I know. Can you save us? Is it UT Martin and Jacksonville State? Incorrect. It is Jacksonville State and EKU. Correct, Mr. Pitts. Oh. We didn't have four tutties against UT Martin? Rushing. Rushing touchdowns. Four rushing Uh, touchdowns. I heard heard team touchdowns. Yeah, four team rushing touchdowns. Okay, okay. What did we, uh, what were the touchdowns at UT Martin? I know we had a pick six. Gabe Binyard had a receiving touchdown. Yeah, Shep threw a couple, and there were two or three rushing touchdowns. I'm pretty sure Shep rushed for two. And UT Martin. Yeah, a couple, couple passing by Shep, a couple on the ground by Shep, maybe three, and then pick six. We got four rushing touchdowns against EKU. Murph had three of those. Oh, and then yeah, Jacksonville the State, that was, this, that was the sneaky one because there were all those short yardage rushing touchdowns after the couple of uh, – muff punts and turnovers so well how about this so i had whenever brass got the, the boot no one i said i had a really good idea and then no one said have one ready for next week and then we all kind of forgot about it me included mm. so mm. i've had one in the tank are you a, are you an all or nothing guy or oh. what you got send it okay all right here, here's one. How, how about this? How about this one for me, Caleb? How about this one for me? Since I wasn't able to guess since the middle of the season. If I get, the, I'll do all or nothing. If I get this right, I move into a tie with Sut. Ooh, Ooh okay. and I like what it. if Sut gets it wrong? Then it's a tie with me and you. Well, you know the answer. So, or, or it'll, it'll, we could be like, or we could be like the A Sun and just have like five conference champions. <laughs> Jordan has no comment. Okay. Let's 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 Are do you... let's do this. Y'all y'all tell me if this is fair or not. Okay. If I get it right, I tie I I, I tie here with Sut. If Sut gets it right, then Sut wins. Let's do it. That, that's fine. Okay. Right. Hit, hit us, Caleb. Okay. Money is actually 75% cotton and 25% linen. Or a jiffy is a unit of time that is one trillionth of a second. First one's true, second one's false. That's a good one, Caleb. But it is Jiffy Lube. 
Yeah, but he could be trying to trick us with those percentages in that first one. I trust uh, no one anymore, Cal. Yeah. <laughs> Barkley, I like that. I like that thinking. I was thinking the same thing. All right. I got to agree with Nolan. First one's true, second one's false. Wait, no. Uh, well, I'm going to change oh. my answer then just so I can get a chance to win this. So I'm going to go. Okay, I'll well, go Devil's Head. No, you, you answered first, so you get it. Okay. There we go. So, so I have first one's false, second one's true. Well, I just pulled a Bryce. No, you he didn't. fumbled it. He fumbled it. Brandon's the champ. So, I was so excited. They, I was supposed to say a different unit of time for the jiffy. <laughs> He, well, he, if that was read, the most appropriate way to end inside the nest this year, I don't know what else is. He he read the facts exactly. I'm like contagious. That. I'm contagious. I had it topped up and everything, and I just read them word for word. See, Caleb, it's Dead not as young. easy as it looks, mm. is it? It's not as well, easy Brandon, as it looks. Well, Brandon, Brandon, congratulations! <laughs> you are the Factor Fiction champion this year on Inside the Nest. I got a trophy for you next time I see you, bud. Hey, hey, I'm here. Again, I, I mean, I killed it there at the end. If I would have played throughout, I mean, we know this would have went differently. You know, it's like the star quarterback tearing the ACL. Listen, you know this would have went differently. You'll see me next year, okay? This is, it's not, it's not a, we'll have to determine who's the real champ here. Because one feels a little more legitimate than the other, just saying. Will we see you more than two times next year? Yeah, hopefully. But again, pound for pound, when I showed up, I made it. Count. Yep. There's time. an asterisk next to this championship for Sud. Hey, throw an asterisk. Hey, might as well call me a JUCO quarterback. But you know what? I'm the best. I, I mean, hey, he, he back, had a... if Goss and I had been on it, we probably would have smoked y'all. So. Okay, now we're getting into the what ifs a little bit. Yeah, mo mo most, of, most of the factor fictions, actually none of them have anything to do with KSU. Most of them are like ones that Caleb read out at the end. Except they had like a false statement in there. There's, there's, a, there's a wrong one and a right one. So I'm, they don't get fumbled. You know? I'm really worried about the future of Factor Fiction since I've handed it back off since we started it last year. I mean, it just it seems to be a downward trend here. Of, I don't hey, think people know how it really works. Coach Bo, do you remember what we said earlier, Jordan? You don't know what it's like at the top of the mountain until you're at the bottom. Oh, we're at the bottom. <laughs> we're there. I, 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 I gave it the final kick right off the ledge, and we were looking up. If you have made it to this point of Inside the Nest, we hope you have been entertained because we have certainly entertained ourselves here. We do want to thank you for tuning in the entirety of this year. Thanks to all of our student athletes that joined us this year. It was a lot of fun getting to know the, the background stories of our stars on and off the field. For Michael Pitts and Michael Goss joining us today, thank you all so much. For Jordan Griffith, it was awesome to have you back. Looking forward to having you back next year, buddy. Brandon Sutton, Bryce Gobert, Caleb O'Neill, Barkley Miller. Great job all season long. Looking forward to seeing you guys here in spring 2023. Looking forward to it. Hootie hoo. Hootie hoo. Hootie hoo. Hootie hoo.